When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Expose yourself. Show them what you're all about. Hey, everybody, it's Joseph Shepard, and I am your host of this amazing podcast, Exposed Dragged Out, where each week we dive into the lives of some of those individuals who went home a little bit too early on a RuPaul's Drag Race franchise. I honestly cannot thank you guys enough for all the support and all the love, especially for the Max podcast and what you guys have really been like, just supporting and responding really, really well to everything, and I cannot thank you guys enough. Today's episode is one from the vault something that has never been heard. It is an interview I did with Moni Cart at the beginning of the pandemic. Yes, this is in the vault. And yes, it's coming out of the vault just for you guys. The video back then was not good quality. So this podcast is the audio version, which I am so glad to bring you. So let's welcome Miss Moni Cart. She was introduced to many of us on season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. She came back to All Stars 4 and had us being like, oh my God. And she is brown cow stunning all of the time. Her name is Monique Hart and she's about to be exposed. Hey, 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 Monique. Hello, hello, hello. All right, so I want to do a little deep dive into your life. You know, I was getting ready for this interview and I told myself, you know what? I don't know what the fuck print this is, but I'm wearing this print because it's, I think it's a little bit of leopard, a little bit of cheetah, a little bit of giraffe, and there's probably a brown cow somewhere on this print. I'm living for the show, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to dive into a little bit of baby Monique. Now, you were born and raised in New York, or were you actually... Yes, yes you were. Yes. So what was little Monique like? From la 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 she always, you know, moved, danced, sashayed to the beat of her own drum. She, like, I always had music in my head, you know, that I was walking to. I would perform for myself while my mom was at work. I would dress up in her clothes. Um, I would put her shoes on. Like, my first shows were for myself. And I find it very funny that I ended up a drag queen because my mom, okay. So my mom had this, like, I would never forget, it was a burgundy duffel bag, like, from the 80s. And that was her wig collection. So she had, like, all of her wigs, all of her, like, bundles of, like, human hair, you know, back in the day when they want to glue in the little lines, the little extra, you know. And she was always, like, amazing to me. And I just always loved my mother and her glamour and just everything that she was. And I just wanted to embody that. But I know, I knew that it wasn't safe. So I would just wait till she was at work. And she had two pairs of shoes, honey, that used to give you the... Girl, she had these pair of blue strapless... It was like two straps. One heel, one heel with a big chunky heel, bitch. And what I... Hell you, I used to wear my hallway out, honey. Yes, ma'am. And then she had these, like, tan leather rustic, like, brown. It looked like it was a wooden heel, but that bitch had a platform girl and a heel in it. And I used to press. Oh, I had my fantasy honey. Oh, it was so, like, I used to... Liv, my mom was so involved in the church and she did like the praise dancers to have these little like silk chiffon things, girl. And I used to have my little fantasy. She was always a sissy girl, you know, in the house of the Lord. 
Well, I know that you had, you talked to People Magazine back right before the All-Star Sport premiere, and you said that you grew up in the church, so I was afraid that the moment I had sex with the girl, the rapture was going to take place, or my mom was going to find out. So how did you end up coming to where you are today and being so confident in yourself, but also keeping your faith? Growing up in New York, gay was the invisible rule, right? One. It was just something that boys just don't do. Sex was like fornication. So that was preached, you know, you having sex, a man and a woman having sex. You know, they really, in my church growing up in New York, really didn't do that heart bashing. I didn't see the hardcore preaching on the gay until I moved to Virginia. And that's when it was like a parent. I think I was also a little older. So I knew when they were talking about the music ministers and you look at them and you go, Oh, she's a queen. Okay, yeah, like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Um, I was just always, I don't know. Like, it was just a weird place, but that was all I knew. I didn't go to house parties. I didn't have, like, friends for real. My mother worked, so I was in the house by myself. So Jesus was always my friend, in a sense. Uh, Jesus and drag. I mean, to be perfectly honest, And I went, you know, I did the whole, you know, in black churches, they try to pray the demonic spirit out. We're going to cast it out in white churches. I later found out that we're going to do all of this inner healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely. But nothing changed orientation. Everything was about behavior. I'm going to say for me personally, my life, I was a hoe and I'm admitting it. I won't take it back. I was a real hoe girl and I had sexual trauma as a child. And, you know, some people run to sex and some people run away from it. I ran to it and I was a real, real, real hoe. And I think had I not gone in the safety of my life thinking at the time, if I had gone to college instead of going into full-time ministry, I don't think I would be alive today. I really, really don't. I think when you are a broken individual, I look back at my life and I look back at the times and the things that I did and where I put my life at risk looking for affirmation and love. I, honest to God, tell you, I don't think I would be alive. So somehow for me, looking at all of it in the short answer, somehow for me, God knows his children, right? He knows who we are. Psalms 139 says, fearfully and wonderfully made, we are in our mother's womb. So when you were in there, girl, he said, she's going to wear this fabulous shirt today, fearfully and wonderfully made, honey. Okay, yes, ma'am. So that's who we are, right? Our eccentricness, this uniqueness that we get, it truly comes from God. This eye, this detail, how you can put gaze in any situation. I mean, we are always rising to the top. We're the creme de la creme. I think that comes from God, personally. I really, really do. I think wicked men have their own ambitions and goals. And so I believe they twist and taint things, right? You're not telling me that this great big God who said, I love humanity so much, I'm going to put on flesh myself to redeem them back to me just to say, I don't want the sissies down. That's like buying Louis Vuittons and like, I'm going to throw them in the trash. Who does that? Like, I'm going to spend $4,000 on a, $10,000 on like, what's that, a, a Birkin bag or whatever. They start at $10,000 and just throw it in the trash. Like, this man gave his life to redeem me. And you mean to tell me that he don't love me? Bitch, get the F out of here. So I had to rely on the truth of the story. You love me. Me, you know what I mean? And in that place of loving me, I said, I'm going to leave everything. Truthfully, I came out because I thought God abandoned me in full-time ministry. So I said, if you won't love me, I will go find a man who will and then bump back into Jesus. So, and then I was a drag queen. So that's been my life. And I feel like, you know, in order to live your most authentic truth, you have to be your most authentic self. I know I'm long-winded, but I'm sorry. But like, I had to say all of that to say, I would not be the Monique that everybody knows and loves today if my story was not what it was. I think a lot of times, especially in our community, we have a lot of bad past. You know, everybody has a bad past that ends up shaping you into such an amazing person. And, you know, like you said, you were the heart of season 10 when you came in the workroom. That's what you said. And I really do think that, you know, these experiences that you had have shaped who you are, have made you have such a heart, such compassion. So getting into, when you started actually getting into drag, when was the first show that you had? And I know also your name wasn't always Monique, was it? 
Always was Monique. Um, I tried to change my name after I was already Monique Hart for like three years. I had some skinny little boy with high cheekbones and he wanted to be my daughter. And he was like, my name is going to, he was like, his name was Azalea or something like that. So I thought my name was going to be, no, his name was going to be Christina and my name was going to be like Azalea or something like that. Oh no, Ariana Styles was going to be my name. That's what, and my friend was like, bitch, don't nothing look like Ariana or styles about you, bitch. Change it back. No, ma'am. My name... You know, no, no, you're actually right. My name was Cut-A-Bitch. Then it was Monique Hart. And then I hated Monique Hart. And I was trying to be Ariana Styles, And then went back to Monique Hart. Yes. Okay, first show, October 14, 2011. I was hosting Boy Bar, Kansas City, Hamburger Mary's, 18 and up show the boys would go outside drink in their car and then come inside because you know you can't drink in the bar lovely and then we were like bitch stop that anyway kid and then the daddies were over in the corner secretly trying to get them dropped bitch don't fuck up and lose our liquor license like no ma'am anyway i did my first night on the mic and they were like we want you to host everything true tea and i was like i'll do drag once like oh whatever right did it once. I started hosting charity bingos. And within six months, I was hosting drag brunch. Baby queens don't do that. New queens don't do that. You know, I had my face down within the first five months. I was doing the damn thing. And it just seemed right. It seemed like for me, I found that place of going from the pulpit saying, hey, the father loves you to wearing platforms saying, hey, the father loves you. And it just felt right. And I just kept with it. And girl, you make money when you're pretty and talented. What do you think it was that ended up pushing you to be able in six months to be able to hosting something like that? I'm going to tell you for a fact, I know I public speaking is what I do, right? Lovely. All of my years of being a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, all of that, right? Lovely. And bitch, I'm funny. So that... And this is no shade, but this is facts. And, I, and this is also colorism and racism all in the... So here you go. Kansas City had maybe four or five Black... Actually, and I'm going to say this. There were five when I came on the scene, Black queens that were working. Now, as far as working queens that were making money that were Black, working in white spaces, I don't really know that many. I know I came in... I did my first show. They said, yes, there was another Black queen who the masses loved her, but she was like a Black-faced version of Beyonce. Like, it was just another Black girl there that was just so bad, and they would call me her name, and they did it as disrespect, and I was just like, you will not. So I worked so hard. So it was just this weird thing of, like, having to play the game in white spaces against other queens. It was just very weird. So that's what actually pushed me. Drag was never, I would say now in drag, I'm learning how to express myself as far as a creative. But drag in the beginning was a hustle. Like, that's the other thing that pushed me. I needed the money. You know what I mean? Like, I was homeless coming out of full-time ministry. And I had went to hair school, graduated somehow at the top of my class, and then had to get my own apartment. So, bitch, when you're, like, poor and hungry, you'll do some shit. So we fast forward to the year 2018 and you're announced as a contestant on season 10 of this little baby show nobody knows about called RuPaul's Drag Race. What is it? Yeah, I think it's called RuPaul's Drag Race. I think oh, you That's not uh, runway. <laughs> now, was that the first time that you had auditioned for season 10 or did had you auditioned previously? I auditioned to be on season eight and bitch, when I tell you, I was bitter! I was so bitter I didn't hear nothing back. I mean, bitter, bitch. I was like, what? And then when season nine came, I was just like, oh, whatever with the show, right? But I know who Shea Coulee was, so I was like, oh, she's fabulous, right? And then I'm not going to lie, Valentina is puss, okay? She is very puss. So, you know, even though I was secretly like, uh-uh, but you're like, what is she doing now? You know? And then Sasha Valor, bitch, she's very puss. Um, anyway, I was just like, truthfully, I thought I was trans. Truthfully, I thought I was trans right before I auditioned. And I was just like, I want to quit drag. So I thought I was trans and I was about to quit drag. And then I was just like, 
my friend's like, you're not trans, stop that bullshit. You just need to figure out what you want to do with your life. Audition for the show. And I was like, fuck RuPaul. Let me say that again so can't nobody skip. I said, F RuPaul because... I thought he didn't want me on the show, but that was not what the T is. Okay, lovely. I auditioned and then got on. And I was gagged, gagged, gagged because they had no one. So where were you when you got that phone call? Girl, I was pissed. Here you go. So I started getting emails, right? And then everything went to a halt. Then they popped up again and they were like, hey, um, don't sign or do anything with anybody else. So now I'm in limbo, right? Okay, great. That means like something's about to happen, but you don't know. And you hear stories of girls getting all the way to the end and then them getting cut. So at this time, I'm like over it. I'm taking the little money I have, trying to stone some clothes or whatever, just trying to take my scraps and just bedazzle it. Going to the car, I get a random phone call. I'm like, this must be from somebody from California. At least being nice to say, I didn't get it. And I almost hit the ignore button, which I was so like, here they go, girl, just whatever, don't worry. And my car had just broken down earlier that week, so I had to take, like, $1,500, which that was all I had for, like, Drag Race. I mean, literally, that was all I had, and put it in my car to get my car fixed. Get the run, ta da da Hello, ta da 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 Hello, who is this? Hi, we're so-and-so and so, and we're just wanting to let Monique hard now. And she was so excited, and I was like, great, now what? And they were like, we're going to send you an email. I was so, like, frustrated because I just knew that now it was a a dream, but I didn't have the money to go the way you need to go to Drag Race. And so I was like, yay, but it was great. One thing about that is that you ended up making all of your outfits. Yeah. And a lot of queens, like you said, like a lot of queens that come into the workroom, especially recently, all have designers and stuff doing their costumes and stuff. Do you feel like that you were at a disadvantage when you walked in? When I walked into the workroom, my cat, kitty, cat, 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 bitch, I was like, who's at the same? I don't give not one fucks about you, okay? I didn't really get uncomfortable, not nervous, uncomfortable about my stuff until, now I knew Asia already. I knew she was going to be fabulous. And I knew Aquaria already. Those two I knew were going to be fabulous. But I didn't get nervous until, like, everybody, like, they brought our drag in and people started to hang their stuff up. And I just remember, and I was just like, but I was just like, well, bitch, I'm a model it. Like, honey, when it comes to, if it's a trash bag, bitch, I will model the hell out of it, okay? But that's what, like, I'm not going to lie, like, seeing, when I saw a court, bitch, I was just like, that's what it is. But, I mean, your looks were always, you were always turning your looks. It wasn't like you were wearing a trash bag. No, they weren't. But this is what I learned about Drag Race. Drag Race, you don't go on Drag Race because you are that it girl of the show. You go on Drag Race because RuPaul thought that you are fabulous. That's it, right? That's why you're on the show, because he thought you were fabulous and wanted you to bone. When you get there, you need to show the world. Hi, world. Hello, America. I am a superstar. I know I'm a superstar, and this is why I'm a superstar, right? So if you are a superstar, then you need to show that You look like one. Superstars look like money, right? Now, superstars who have great concepts that may not be expensive but fiercely executed are still pussing our superstars. I'm going to say me and my friend had this conversation, Evie Oddly, right? Evie, her octopus look, her orange look, I mean, she had another one, like, and her finale look when she did, uh, she lip synced against Akira. I thought, like, they were not expensive. Like, she paid money. But the whole concept, you were like, oh, bitch, I would wear it. Actually, I would take the same concept and probably get somebody, like, Moschino, redo this. You know what I mean? Like, it was that plus. It was very, very good. Girls like that who have a full conceptualized, you can look past the lack of expensive taste or quality because it's conceptualized to other girls that, you may look good, but you look like a good girl that's about to go out on a Friday night, not on an international show. And that's the difference. And you don't really learn that unless you catch that before going on or after. That's a good point. And I never necessarily thought about that because it, doesn't, it makes perfect sense. Look at All Star 6 
I want you to eat once this is over. Just go look at All Star 6. I mean, All Star 5. Sorry, All Star 5. And just look from coming in. Who showed you I am a superstar and who showed you I'm coming up to work again? There is a difference. RuPaul, I mean, the judges, everybody wants to get on them. And this is the hard thing. And, you know, people want to bring race into it, which it is true. These girls, Gigi has resources, right, that other girls don't have. So Jada cries because she goes, y'all say it's just a cute dress. Well, when you've had nothing, a cute dress means everything to someone who's had it. And now, you you know what I mean? You can never compare the, we're fighting at different levels. And so now I would tell anyone who's going on Drag Race, honey, no matter what your budget is, you have to have good taste. It has to be executed well. Okay, sorry to talk about that, but yeah. (laughs) You're good. One thing that everybody loved during season 10 was you directing yourself and your acting challenge. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to get into acting? Yes, that's why I moved to Los Angeles. However, I didn't know where to go, so I didn't know where to audition. Yeah, I mean, I look, I grew up in church where we did the Easter Katata, honey, okay? We did, okay, we gave you the production, honey, the Viva De La Rosa, girl, okay, girl? Girl, those Christmas uh, productions, girl, I mean, you had to say your lines, girl, and be, um, I mean, it's just there, and being... I'm a Gemini. I'm the only child. I'm very loud-spoken. I'm a very powerful uh, person. So when I walk into a room, I'm such a visionary. I'm like, uh-uh, it needs to be this here, that, that, that. You know what I mean? It just has to look a certain... And when I was in that moment, do it again. That'll... Michelle's like, wait a minute, bitch. This is my job. I'm like, but it says I can take your check if you let me. Okay, don't mess up. Okay. So very that. When I was asking people what questions they have for you, everybody kept talking about this moment that was never aired on the show that just came on YouTube, and it was you wearing Blair's Beyonce wig. Oh, yeah, they put it on the whatchamacallit. Girl, you know, I just love to play in wigs. That's like I said, my mama had a bag of wigs, girl. I got one over here on the side right now. Like, I just love hair. I just saw my mom. She would put it, she would change her. If she she wanted the vlog girl, she was feeling that and that's how she was given. If she wanted this big hair girl, that's what she was given. It was each wig had a different expression. I think that's why it's always hard for me when I go to New York and try to perform. I'm like, y'all want me to stay in this one look? I no, girl, I want to give you something else for the next one, girl. Let me change real quick. They're like, no, bitch. Standing for 45 minutes. I can do that, but I've sweated this one out. Let me give you oh, you know, very bad. But I mean, Blair, it was cute. And I was like, girl, you don't need this. And also, bitch, if I could get the wig, you know, my drag collection at the time was just, girl, thank God for the glow up. Okay, let's just say that. Thank God for the glow up. Okay, just thank God for the glow up. Well, well, there was another moment that ended up spawning a catchphrase for you. Ended up into a song for you. Ended up into what's on your head for you right now. So... It's the denim and diamonds runway. You walk out, you have your denim jacket on, you have that top on, and Michelle says it's not a brown cow and it's a giraffe. What went through your head? Because also, I talked to you on the red carpet of the finale, and we played a little game of brown cow or giraffe. And my thing was is that I felt in my head that actually it was a brown cow. Girl, look, I saw... The letter, they sent us the letter and I saw the list and it was like denim and diamonds, da 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 Now, the last time they did Country Bitch Boy, I think the last Black girl who did Country was Mystique. And I was just like, oh, no, ma'am. Like, she did it wrong, right? We remember that. She did the whole cowboy spin. It was bad. She did the whole death drop split for whatever. Okay, cute. So I wanted to give like the whole little tassel thing. And then I'm like, Brown cow? Well, I'm brown. I'm, I'm, they're going to live for it. I just knew they would live. I just thought they were going to live. And then get out there, and I was like, I thought it was brown cows. No? Okay, cute. Whatever. I legitimately, legitimately wrecked. Right. Joanne's girl, she screwed me. What, what did you think in that moment when Michelle did call you out? 
was, she's dead wrong. I was like, I don't know who this woman is. Who is she? Where did she come from? What's wrong with her eyes, girl? She clearly can't see. I was like, giraffes. I was like, it's brown and like yellow or brown and gold. But I was like, this is brown and white. And I'm from the Midwest, girls. Like, what are you trying to tell me, sis? I've seen this driving on the side of the road, girl. And then we get into the snatch game. And I had heard that you were not originally going to be Maxine Waters. No. I was going to be Cookie Lion. However, I didn't get the game. <gasps> Cookie is a copyrighted character, right? Taraji is the actress who plays her, but I'm thinking Taraji is not like that. So I can't portray Taraji as Cookie because that's not Taraji. Ugh. I got home and then I figured that out. Yeah, great. So I'm like, I'm going to be Maxine Waters and... Then RuPaul started asking questions, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't really know this woman. It was bad. <laughs> Is that a nervous moment when you are on? Like, do you guys get any preparation for that at all? Or do you? No, and the laugh track isn't there. When we watch it, everybody's watching with the laugh track and the. But I, then I have to. No, so you tell the joke, and you're like, no one's laughing. Like, what? I thought that Impeach the Cheeto would have been a hysterical cricket. Got it. No, it is. And RuPaul is a force. And, I, you know, I chose that spot because everyone was like, bitch, you have to. There's no hiding from RuPaul. And I was like, I'm ready. And then he said jurisdiction or district or whatever. And I was just like, that wasn't in, like, the viral clip. Like, that wasn't in the Reclaiming My Time video. Like, no. Like, What? Snatch Game is not for the paint of heart, sis. That's what I'm going to tell you. It's just not for the paint of heart. Monet did very, very... I thought Monet was going to win. Watching it, Aquaria sat in front of me. I was like, oh, okay. So she was... Oh, okay, cute. Yeah, great. Lovely. But I thought Monet was winning. I, I can't imagine just being in that atmosphere because that seems like it would be the most stressful thing in the world. And then if there isn't a laugh track or anything, you probably already feel like you're going down because nobody yes. laughs. Yes. And yes, then you just, like, keep second-guessing yourself. Yes. And you have to make sure your answer... Like, if you can make him laugh, or if you just saw somebody, like, make him, like, laugh and wail, you're like, bitch, I gotta get him. And then you say your thing, and he's like, oh. And you're like, oh, my God! It's like, I don't know what this day. It's horrible. Horrible. And Ru will look at you like a bitch. Like, oh, say it again. What? Oh, my gosh, girl, it's horrible. PTSD, girl. That's the one that does it for me, girl. Snatch game right here, right after the hot flash right now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But what about the cut to the feeling lip sync that happened that night? See, you know what? I want to hit... Oh! Rude. This interview is over. Chopped. Done. Cut it here. No more America! That is the worst thing that I have ever had to live through. And I have gone through some shit in my life, okay? That was worse than, like, the first time bottoming and it doesn't go right. And I mean, not even messy. I just mean like painful. You know, when you're like, hey, this is not vagina, okay? Like, you just, there's a difference, okay? You know, very much like that. It was, uh, <laughs> girl, you know, people love to make it a gift. This is how my Monday's going. <laughs> Horrible. I still to this day think it should have been Asia, period, right? Beyonce. And Blue Ivy should have been the two that was lip syncing. First of all, that would have been an iconic thing because of the Blue Ivy. You know what I mean? That's what it got. Yeah, yeah, boom. Okay. Yeah. Love me. They call my name and I'm like, I know I don't know these words. Jesus, I stayed up all night working on that tacky ass costume girls. Trash. And that's the one I had made from one of my little friends. Girl, it was bad. Anyway, they call my name and I'm like, bitch, okay, you don't know these words, but at least damn. And I do one of these because you know I'm a hair girl, right? And I and that wig said, ah! and I'm like, not me. This cannot be happening. And I think that's when I blacked out. Because I remember watching myself do the splits from from, you know what I mean? Like if you're me, I was watching from this way. So I, com I was completely outside of my body watching. It was the craziest, most horrific thing. Girl, I remember trying to do. Trinity, okay, so you remember in the finale with season nine and Trinity does this whole tumble like thing to the end of the stage, just what uh India Farah does in the talent show, right? Girl! 
I tumbled here, but somehow I ended up over here, but it was so bad. And then I get up in Michelle and Carson, girl. They look at me like this. It was bad. It was bad. Will you end up getting off of this season? Oh. And let's talk about else, something else that's bad, but it wasn't you. Let's do this. Let's do this. We get to the finale. And you ended up being a gift, a meme, everything in between for this face that you made when the butterflies were released. You know, I felt so horrible because I had went back there and prayed with Asia that she would win in this catastrophe. And I said, I was so shocked. I was like, Lord, what happened? And I, I did. I felt horrible for a while. I really, really did. Because I was just like, God, did you curse my prayer? Like, I really did. But then I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute, bitch. You can't put butterflies in plastic. And like, that's trapped on your body. So that's body heat. And then the heat from the... I said, no, bitch. That had nothing to do with me. So it was iconic. I just remember being in the audience and I remember I didn't know that there were butterflies until the performance was over. And then they started sweeping that floor of all the butterflies on the floor. And I was just in my head, I was like, and everybody was like, did she have butterflies? I was like, oh my gosh, it was butterflies. It didn't even hit me because I couldn't see anything. No, you know what I think would have been cute? Because I've thought about how could I redo that? I think she would have needed to have some kind of like, in my head, Japanese kind of like magic, right? Some kind of paper wound up thing that when as soon they were like on a tension. So as soon as she opened, they just popped or whatever. Some kind of, you know, that cameraman was so shady, girl, when he zoomed in on that one camera on the girl. It was bad. I really did. I was like, no, Jesus, why did you do that to her? It was bad. Yeah. But then, thank God, I got on All-Stars. Praise God. Woo, woo, woo. Praise God, because you go and you get on All-Stars in 2018. But on that week, you end up releasing this track that I still, when I go out, it's always on my playlist, Brown Cow Stunning. I think it is the best song that's come off of the show. I'm always like, Brown Cow Stunning. is That's like it. I get it every single time. What made you take that and put it into a song? What was that from? Um, the fans, I felt like my fans were threatening me. They were like, sis, if I don't get a song, sis, if I don't get a song, sis. And I was like, girl, let me make a song. And then I knew that once I got the call for All Stars, I was like, well, I need to do something. I was like, oh, I could do it. And then RuPaul, I was like, oh, I could do a minute of this, right? And then RuPaul goes, so Monique, is that song on iTunes? And I go, yes, it is available on iTunes right now. And then I was like, oh, crap. Now I have to get finished the song. So I finished the song. It was great. I didn't think it would be as big of a hit. Because <laughs> it's slightly traumatic, girl. It's slightly weird. You're like, what? Brown cow study? And people love it. Girl, I'll be in the airport. Miss Brown cow? Lovely. Ace Hardware. Brown cow study? You're like, yes, girl. You see some dad with his children. They'd be like, you a drag queen, right? Brown cow? You're like. Yeah, it's just crazy. So it's it's been a it's been a weird blessing, but I'm very thankful. Reviews. They are everything, whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare, ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. 
Go to ZocDoc.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and Book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. So you were introduced as a contestant of All-Stars 4. How did that come to be and what was that feeling like? Because that was shortly after your season 10, right? Yeah, I just knew. I had spoke to my friend about it. Because my whole thing was you didn't look like you had money when you went on the first time. So you needed to look, right? Because my issue was never talent, it's money. So my friend said, you should strike now while the iron is hot. And I'm very happy I did. Because All-Stars 4 and All-Stars 2, legendary. That's all I'm going to say. Just like season 10. That's all I'm going to say. We know what the facts are. Look at the receipts. Kill. Now, I felt like I'm about to go up here and kill the game. And honey, I spent... Coin, grasping coin. I still have leftover bolts of fabric and rhinestones and jewels and appliques right now at my designer's house in Kansas City. Like a whole studio apartment size of Monique. Like I spent so much because the pressure and you read what the fans say online and how they judge the black girl so so harsh. So I was just like, bitch, let's go back. Honey, I walked in that workroom and I said, right on five. And then when I saw the competition, I said, okay, so I need to be Trinity, Valentina, Monet, Naomi, and Latrice. Very, very true. And Manila. Oh, yeah. Ashley, so you see, that's what I'm talking about, honey. We had threatening competition on ours, girl. It was like, okay, wait a minute. And, you know, one thing I will say is that because I was such a new queen, like queens knew of Monet. You know what I mean? She wasn't a drag race girl, but if you've ever lived in New York, you know who Monet is. So Manila had, she knew what was in Monet's arsenal. You know, Latrice, they knew what was in Monet's arsenal, but they still doubted both of us. And I can tell you the truth. I gained the respect from Valentina, Manila, Latrice, Naomi, Monet, Farron, Jasmine. So, I mean, I just feel like to be such a newbie, it really, really shows you what was there the whole time. So. So I, as I like to say, I was top two <clears throat> and then got bumped down to top three. Looking at season 10 to All-Stars 4, which one did you like more? All-Stars, because I was winning! <laughs> uh, you know, season 10, there's nothing like that first time. But I'm going to tell you, if you ever get to go, even on Celebrity Drag Race, like, Celebrity Drag Race, we were still in this, like, that same kind of hotel with the tea. It, it's just, like, the way they do things. It's just a, such a blessing to be there. But the tension when you are a competitor, I'm going to say that first time, you don't sleep. I mean, you never sleep at, at Drag Race while you're, you're filming, but you're, like, paranoid and going through it. When I went back for All-Stars, I was like, I know how this game works. Like, I- I'm ready. I'm ready for you. I'm so ready for you. And and I believe that's why I succeeded so well. So, yeah. Let's talk about a big succeeding in All-Stars 4. You know, you only had, like, what? The one chance for the lip sync the first in, all- in Season 10. And then you came back in All-Stars 4 and you got to prove yourself with that lovely bitch's back lip sync with Tina Turner and you were turning it out. I remember being like, Okay, okay, she came back and she's going to prove what she can do. So mad at that, because I go, I would have won that first lip sync against Trinity had my wig not slipped, bitch. Ah! Yes, that would have been $20,000. Anyway, I just, I'm only can lip sync, honey. Like, that's what I do. She is, I mean, Jennifer Lewis said it best. She, she, you are a natural-born entertainer, and it is so true. I am a production. I am the whole show. DJ hit it. I had something to prove when every time I lip sync. Because, I mean, if you have a bad one, you know what I mean? When people go, oh my gosh, you remember that lip sync with like Tatiana and Alyssa? Girl, yeah. You remember that lip sync with uh, Dina Ritz and uh, Latrice? Girl, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. You know what they want, girl, when you were lip sync against Latrice? Girl, girl, you gave it to her. That's what you want. And honey, I had an iconic lip sync. Girl, getting, I said, I'm going to give it to Miss Latrice. Honey, you have to give it to her. So I made sure I did. 
Well, looking at it, statistically, you did the second best within the top four. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that you should have been in the top two and competed against Trinity for the crown? I'm going to say I thought it was me and Trinity. Trinity thought it was me and her. I mean, honestly, I was very, like, what? But I knew it. I mean, I knew it. If you go back and watch, I'm going to say they gave me a lovely edit because I was so pissed. So they gave me a lovely edit. But when they talk to Monet, you can hear how they're talking to her and their, the tones in their voice, how excited they were and how they praised her. And when it got to me, everything was just down here. And, da, 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 da. and I said, okay, I got it. And then I just had the last little bit of hope just being up there in that final moment. And then boom. So, but looking back, hindsight being 2020, $100,000 would have changed my life. But I will say like Monet Exchange is the rightful winner. This is why. She's invested into the brand. I'm not invested into the brand. Monet watches. She's an advocate watcher. She's an advocate for the show. She's like, she can tell you. Da, 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 da. I can tell you, I watched season one, not like fully because I was in full-time ministry. I watched season two right before I left full-time ministry. Season three, I don't know where I was. And season four, is season three with Dita Ritz? Yes. So then season three, no, by season three, I was out and about because my friends were her friends. And that's, I watched season three, four, and five with Roxy Andrews because I was obsessed with her. And by then six, I really don't remember. I popped in and out. So I just feel like if you're going to get someone for rightfully so, I think you should, you know what I mean? I think Monet's fabulous. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if I would be that invested. I'm not that invested. I don't watch the show now. I don't. So it's fabulous. I just don't. PTSD. Well, you get off the show and you end up having a trajectory of you speak your mind. You tell people what's up. You end up doing a little bit of acting in a little show that RuPaul had, AJ and the Queen. How did that come to be? And what was that feeling like? RuPaul loves me. Okay, so first of all, Ru loves me, right? He is not as tender with me as I want. Like, I want him to be like, babe. Like, you know, this is what I want. I, I want this to be him. And I just, talk to me. Tell me what's love. You know, I mean, like, just because growing up, I just, um, you know what I mean? I just, like, oh. So after doing season 10, his sister was like, I love you. And so I'm like, your sister loves me. Wait a minute, honey. Like, you in with the family, girl. You in with the family, girl. You in with the family, girl. And then there's this man I know, I forgot his name, but he's a big songwriter for like Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, and all these other people. And he was like, I just had lunch with RuPaul. And he goes, RuPaul really, really loves you. And I go, and then I got All Stars 4. And then they were like, RuPaul wants you to do da 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 da. I was like, what? My manager said, they're also paying you more than they pay the other girls who are. And I said, what? And then there was a conflict because the call time was 5 a.m. on a Monday morning. And I was, I have a show in Vegas like that Sunday night. And I'm like, honey, I'm not leaving this chat. Like, I'm going to get my money. Like, because this gig was signed, so it didn't deliver before this acting gig came up. And I'm not going to get that acting gig until after. I'm going to get this check tonight. RuPaul or whoever was there made sure that they had a private car, private driver come from Vegas to pick me up in Vegas and to drive me back to LA so I could be there for my call time. So say what you want about that man. Is that man perfect? No, I love him. I do respect him. Could he be better? Yes. Is there room to grow? Hell yeah. Should he be doing more? Yes. But I love and respect that man. That's good to hear. And I want to talk about something and open up a little bit of a conversation with you because you have spoken with then even this conversation that of the racism within the community and the drag community. And you put something up on Instagram the other day that really did pull up my heartstrings. This is the DM that you got um, and saying police should kill you for being, uh, you know, a nigger. Yes, there you go. So in the community, in the drag community, do you feel accepted? Do you not feel accepted? And where does racism stand according to you or from your experience in the community? Because I know it's a big thing from previous people I've talked to, from what I've seen online, from the hate that 
black queens get compared to white queens for doing the exact same things, whether it be a white queen's like a bitch, but then a black queen is totally different. So where do you stand on that? I personally just don't feel... I feel like an odd man out, to be perfectly honest, within the community and as a drag queen. I really, really do. I don't think that's because of drag race. I think that's just as a whole, as an individual, I just feel very much an odd man out, which is also why I don't do a whole lot on social media and try to compete for the attention just because I just know, even since I was in high school as a child, I've just always been an odd man out, so it is what it is. Being Black, And seeing, I will say this, I just had another interview and I will say that we forget that gay culture is the subculture of white culture. And within the gay community, queer people found safety from the outside world that was saying, we hate you, right? And so there was a community and a sense of a bond that was formed. However, we cannot say that the same racism that is here now wasn't there then. It just was a little differently, you know? And I think colorism and colonialism, all of these other things play a part into how things are manifested within the community. Prime example, if we are looking at images of Black males or Black queer individuals, you will see them effeminate or very, very like weird and artsy, you know what I mean? But you will never just see a masculine Black male that's queer or gay. You know what I mean? Still in the community, that's still, you still need to um, be palatable for white people so you appear less threatened in the community. So, like I said on my Hey Queen interview, it's just a weird game. Like the young man who sent me this awful message, you can say that as a Latino, as a Latinx individual, because you have your light skin privilege that you get to hide in. You know, and I think that Because we don't really understand history, American history, the history that was done to Latinx people and their history, it's just this weird, I don't, I don't, it's just, even in Drag Race, here you go. Cracker got the villain edit, but I bet you she won't be perceived as a villain. I bet you she won't be perceived as vixen. No. And that's what's fucked up about it. I mean, and I'm not saying her. I'm saying I know production. You even look at the thumbnail on YouTube for that challenge, the Rusical. They picked the group of girls that have the least amount of minorities. You don't look at it like that, but then you look at it and you go, well, why didn't y'all pick Shane? She was actually the winner of the challenge, but you picked Cracker, Blair, oh, and Mayhem, because it was the one Black girl. I feel like right now, to be perfectly honest, I hate slightly being a part of queer things with the community because I feel like you're just a check, a box that needs to be checked. Are you Black? Yeah. Are you, you know, do we have a person of color? Yes. Are you this? But it's not like you're actually seen to be seen. It's just like, we just need to make sure that all boxes are checked so that way no one can come for us. I think it just comes back down to the safety and the escapism that the system gives you when you are not Black. What do you think that the white, gay, cisgender community or those that are apparently racist or even those that aren't, the ones that, you know, are kind of like the in-between, what can they do to help? I think one thing of helping is really checking privilege. And I think the thing of checking privilege is just checking the reality. It's not, when we hear privilege, when we hear white privilege, it's automatically like, oh, their life was easy. No, it wasn't. I know tons of poor white folks. Tons of them. And they had a hard life. The difference is, honey, y'all can take a hot shower and put a suit on and they're going to believe that you're actually qualified for the position that you're not. So I would say checking your privilege and understanding, like even in conversation, the things that you say. It's so weird because it really comes down to like, you have to be uncomfortable for there to be a real change. And I I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't know to voice a way for people who don't have to, where it's very easy for you just to go about your day. How do you step all the way outside of yourself and your, I, I don't. 
And I feel like that's something else that needs to be said. Like, we're now waiting for whites and everyone else in between to, like, wake up, learn American history, that it's not Black history, it's American history, that we have to play the catch-up game now, which is, okay, thank you for at least waking up, lovely. But the actual change will come in the fact of you choosing to be uncomfortable. The reason of people, they have jobs, like, my friend will bitch and moan about his corporate job, but bitch, you got a job and you can work from home. That's not the, you know what I mean? Like you're bitching and talking about this dude being on prep that you're about to come let smash your kitty. And these people don't even have healthcare. You know what I mean? And let's really talk to prep is expensive. So unless you got healthcare or you're going to the health clinics like the LGBT center and getting them to foot the bill, like, do the research, do the work. I think that's what it just comes down to. You just really have to do the work. If you really, 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 really care, do the work, put in the research, understand, learn that there were black code laws in the Jim Crows and understand that some of your parents and your grandparents aren't bad people. They just voted for legislation thinking that they were voting for right things. Because if you look at the legislation that was passed, is it blatant? Yeah. But if they're telling you we're fighting a war on drugs, well, we don't want drugs here. I don't think Black people want drugs either. But who brought the drugs in? But no one wants to talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. And y'all wanted to fund it for this damn war that y'all had no business in anyway, you know? The Republicans love to talk about Black people and welfare. Well, the Democrats bought our vote with welfare and then didn't do anything else to kind of help us. You know, you made us dependent. So you can't be like, oh, we, we don't want to put the bit. Well, when we tried to do it ourselves, you bombed it. You destroyed it. What do you want? You didn't give us reparations. Every time we try to do it, you stop us. You kill our leaders out of your own guilt, out of your own fear that if we ever truly rise to power, that we're going to do to you what you did to us, which is truthfully equality. That's equality. People with the Black Lives Matter movement, girl, I'm just so exhausted from, uh, what are you exhausted from? You don't do shit. What are you exhausted from? Seeing trauma? Oh, wow. You don't live that shit. You don't wake up and go, here we go, Holy Spirit. Here we go. That's not your reality. So what are these? The thing right now is just like, yeah, people are energized. But like when the shit's not the fad anymore, when we're not under a pandemic quarantine where we're stuck in the house and so people are outside of the house at a protest because they just want to be out of the house because let's really talk about these photo shoots and these parades that folks is having at these so-called protests i don't understand how you're colluding with the police to make sure that the protest is peaceful yet we're protesting the police don't add up i don't get it I don't get it. People want to reform the system instead of destroying the system. How are you going to reform a system that was built on hate, sis? So that means you're actually going to be uncomfortable. However, when we defund the police and when these holes get defunded, we're going to need something in place for the people, by the people, of the people. And y'all hoes need to be educated just like every other nation's police need. You know what I mean? Not police, but people who are going to uphold the law. You know what I mean? The reality is we need to destroy the wicked system. We need to have new people in play righteous people, people with good hearts, people that actually go, we see the bullshit and we're going to justify it. We're going to rectify the wrong that we have done. I think they need to take the money. Do you know how much money they, do you live in LA? Yeah, I'm in LA. Do you know how much money they spend on these raggedy ass police? It was like, was it like one point something billion? Yeah, I just wanted you to catch that B. Well, I, I think the other thing that annoyed me too is that when they decided to cut the part of the budget, it was 3% of that one billion. Look, I feel like this. People say, well, like, policing people is bad. And I do agree. I totally do agree of policing people is bad. And I go, but we have to create systems so people don't have to be police. You know what I mean? We shouldn't have mothers out here starving. We shouldn't have people out here not having medical care and health care and, like, robbing and stealing to actually put food on the table. Like, your system's fucked up and you know it's fucked up, but it's fucked up so you can keep profiting up on putting bodies in jail. Like you make money off of it. So like there's so many different, it's just like, it's not just the police, it's the legal system too. It's like, it's the whole thing. And I just, like even people go, we'll put it into education. Well, wait a minute. 
Because if we're putting in the education, well, the education where it stands right now is still like this. Because mm-hmm. there are schools that are here and schools that are here. And so if you're going to fill the bucket, it still would lift up, but they would still raise to do, to, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, I don't know. I'm just frustrated, to be perfectly honest. I scream a lot. Thank God I live alone. It's just very disheartening. I do feel like we are on the precipice for change. I do feel like people are going to wake up. I feel like one day we will have police like Greece, like Italy, like that. You know what I mean? Uh, Not police in that sense of what we know as police, but I think that we will have people to like uh, this punk felt bold and decided to break my window. Who do we call? You know what I mean? Whatever. I feel like there will be a day where. Black businesses will thrive here in America. I don't know when that day, I don't know how many days will thrive, but I do feel like there will be a day. And I feel like we're on the change now. People just cannot look at this as a moment. It has to be looked at as a movement that it is not. To me, I don't say just Black Lives Matter. To me, I want Black liberation. It is more than just the stopping of killing us. Honey, I need us to thrive everywhere else, too. I don't care, you know, what's the good of a, of you not killing us, but you're still imprisoning us. You're not killing us one way, but you're killing us another way. We're in food deserts. Like, the fact that there are liquor stores and fried chicken restaurants in every, you know what I mean? That is not just by chance. Plus, also living in toxic neighborhoods, airflow and water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like people will have to do the work. Just, you have to do the work. As simple as it sounds, I think that that is a big step in the right direction. I also think that, like you said, privilege at first. I think it's realizing what privilege is. Because I think that a lot of white people, to a degree, think that privilege is like something a lot more excessive than what it actually is. Like when I was chatting with the Vixen, we talked about how privilege is for when she was younger, she was always told not to wear a white t-shirt. You know, like that's a thing. Like don't do that because, you know, black people with white t-shirts are the ones that end up getting arrested. The cops come to them. And that really like clicked something in my head where I was like, you know what? That is privilege that I can wear a white t-shirt and not be viewed in the same aspect. I think it stems a lot lower than people, than white people thinking, oh, like privilege as in, you know, this or that, like, you know, a job or this, like it goes so much lower. And there are so many small things that are actually privileged that people don't realize are privileged. I flying first class, which I do, which I used to, because we don't fly anymore. But flying first class, I noticed the majority of the time it was some white guy, white business lady, right? Flying for a job. I thought because I was, when I first used to travel, I would fly with the window seat, Right. But I stopped that because um, I, I need to get up and pee and I just want to just do what I need to do. But I thought sitting there, they would talk to them first in the, you know, the aisle seat because they were there first. And then they spoke to me. But then when I was in the aisle seat and they would still talk to them first. So no matter what flight I went on, that's the privilege. The fact that she simply acknowledged you. It happens when you go out to eat. It happens. I mean, it, the funny thing is I tell people, go out to eat with one of your friends, one of your Black friends, and see how the server treats them. The acknowledgement, the attention. It's not the same. Go out to a gay bar with one of your Black friends and stand three people behind him saying, hey, this is what I want. And just send him up there alongside of the typical white, gay, da 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 He will wait for a cocktail. And then this goes through my head. Now I need to tip you so you think that I'm better than the Black people who don't. But truth is, I don't want to tip your asses because you went to them and them and them and then came back to me. Privilege from the smallest to the greatest, but you don't really recognize it. The thing where my friends walk in, we'll walk into a store, I feel the need to take off my glasses. Though I don't have to, I feel the need to take off my glasses. Why? Because I am a big black man. So he walks around and tra la 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 blonde glasses, dark shades, da 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 Now he totally could mop and steal something, but simply because I know what perception is, I, you know what I mean? When I see white women walking, I purposely cross the street. If I'm walking in front of a white woman, I walk fast just in front of you, get move with a purpose, right? I know that if I'm coming up on her, I will walk all the way around her so that way there's no threat. At night, I walk with my keys jingling so that people know that someone's coming, you know what I mean? So that way it's not just a black, it's just, ugh. But it's life and I believe it will get better. I hope so. I think that, Stories like yours are things that need to be heard and need to be told. And I think realizing 
you know, from everything that you're saying right now, glasses to keys jingling to that, like nobody should have to do that. So that's frustrating about it. And I can't imagine being in your shoes and dealing with that. And my heart, my sympathy go. And I really do hope that we can get to a progressive part and to be able to change mm-hmm. that. But that's, that's messed up. Yeah. But you know, it's just funny because for me, I just, truthfully, I, in Kansas City, my surroundings were white. But I had cold switched already to make sure that I had a better life. Like I would remember walking, we would go on vacations, we would go out or whatever. And I would remember if I saw any other Black people and if the server was there or whatever, like I felt anti-Blackness in myself, internal racism in myself, going, oh, I'm better than them because why I'm with these white people and because these white people, you know what I mean? Because I'm not perceived as that. Yet the whole time, the reality is, sis, you and them are the same. And I think, like, when I moved out to L.A., I fought very, very hard to make sure that I never felt like the odd man. I will say when you're out with your friends and though they're good-hearted people, when white folks drink, their privilege comes out, the tongue gets real slip, and folks just say what they say. And though there may be no malicious intent with it, the fact and that privilege and the that it just comes out, you just go, I don't want to be in that room. I don't want to be in that space. And I fought very, very hard to make sure that I was in black and brown spaces when I moved to LA. And now on the precipice of leaving, I see and notice the difference that I felt a lot safer to process, to cry, to joke, the safety and the similarities in cultures and that I had never because I was so worried about making sure that I wasn't perceived as a thug. Now, knowing that that is the system in which I live in, I feel free to actually be myself and represent Blackness. You know what I mean? It's such a weird journey. Let's get into a little bit of your journey coming up. What's next for you? About a month ago, I said I'm going to stop fighting this whole like numbers game, at least with Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, and just concentrate on the people that are mine. And instead of me trying to, you know, do what the tide is doing. I just need to be me and do my own my own thing. So that's what I want to do. So I'm going back to jump back into music. I want to start producing and just uh, producing shows, reality shows, talk shows. Like I just want to just, I think for the longest time, you're just like waiting for someone to give you an opportunity. And those times you will be waiting and you can look back. I would say it like this. Quarantine came and then everybody started making music videos for drag, right? And the gag was, sis, this was here the whole time. You know, we could have been doing this and no one thought. We thought that you had to spend all of this money, tens of thousands of dollars, so you wouldn't be red, so you wouldn't, you know, over it looks cheap, this, that, and the third. And now people are like, oh my gosh, did you see? She did that what in her bedroom? What? It's amazing. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, truly allowing creativity to flow. And so I just want to do that and not try to get caught up in being another pop star. Like, I'm not. My message isn't. I know I will never fit that mold, that cookie cutter. And so that's what I'm doing. Music and productions, owning everything that I can get my hands on is where I'm at. So, yeah. And what do you think the biggest misconception of Monique Hart is? I don't know. I think there are a few misconceptions. One, I would say this is a big misconception. A misconception of Monique Hart is that Monique Hart is a Christian. I do not call myself a Christian. I do not identify. I don't use that language. So please stop calling me that. Please also stop calling me religious. I don't feel that because I have a belief system and a faith that makes me religious when everybody else disbelieves in Buddha, Hindu, Krishna, the Baphomet, Satanism, and everything else, and y'all don't call them religious, so don't do it to me. And if you could, for one day... Live in the shoes of a past or present queen, who would it be and why? I would say this one only because this individual, to me, has done it like no other. Well, this one has had the most profitable success. I would have just liked to have changed a few things on how they've done things. But I would say RuPaul. 
I'm serious. When we think of drag queens, we think of RuPaul. No one thinks of Marsha B. Johnson. No one thinks of Lady Bunny, you know, Bianca, I guess now. But, you know, that's all because of Ru outside of Lady Bunny. I mean, I don't know anybody else who's getting out of bed for 20 mil. I mean, I would just like to do, I think I would do a few things differently that she has done. I think the way she moves in these streets sometimes. But who else got that check? We are all, that's the thing. She popped off on us at the reunion, right? And she was like, recognize that y'all all want to get here. And we were like, y'all surely do. So at the end of the day, I'm gonna say her, I would just do things a little different. Like if you could take my brain, my spirit, my soul and put it in her body, give it one good facelift, that way it'd be a little bit younger when I get it. Or can I get her in her prime? You can get her in her prime. I guess that's what her prime is actually now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The you mean the prime now of what she's doing in the prime look? Yeah, what? girl, I don't want her age prime. When she was young and tight, girl, she was broke. I don't want that one. Yeah, no, that's like being Justin Timberlake when he had that Jerry curl, girl, no man. <laughs> and my last question for you is, what is a message or words of wisdom that you could give to the LGBT community? I would say two things. Know what kind of tree you are in this sense, that all trees don't bear fruit in the same season. And I feel that a lot of times, you know, in life, especially today, we are trying to like, oh, they're doing this over here, so I gotta be doing this over here. Oh, they're doing this over here. And you're trying, 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 and trying, and forcing yourself, trying to be fruitful, trying to produce, you know, what is not authentically you, and you can only produce what is you. Or it just won't be, you know, good fruit, you know? We can go to the grocery store and pick up a bag right now, but it could be moldy, it could be soggy. You know, that means that fruit did not last and remain. So producing good fruit also. Um, I would say that the African folktale of the eagles who thought they were chickens, you know, they were captured, they were birds captured, thrown into a chicken's nest, and they just thought, believed the lie. And I think a lot of times in that analogy, in that metaphor, we believe the lie that we are just this. But if we would just take the rest to believe something greater about ourselves, to believe, yes, I am built different. I look different. I sound different. Wait a minute. My wings are bigger. You're saying we're the same, but my wings look different. I think I'm meant to fly and take that jump. And the reality is if you fall, you fall. But get back up. Ooh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Monique. Tell everybody where they can find you on the socials. You can find me at... I am Monique Hart on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just type in Monique Hart on Facebook. I really don't use it like that. You know, we lost cousins, friends, and family members when Trump became president. So I was like, oh, no, man. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Guys, please like, subscribe, comment below what your favorite part of this interview was. Until next time, I'm Joseph. And that is Monique Hart. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, America and Ashley Olsen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. Expose yourself. Ooh. You're